Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What is up, everybody? This is, of course, the Staples Show. The Wednesday edition of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. And uh, right now, King's Hawaiian Slider Sunday Million Dollar Showdown is going on, Ryan Talbot. Enter for a chance to win $1 million. Each week, King's Hawaiian is pitting two cities, sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown. And you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. What is up, buddy? Hey, not too much. Sliders sound pretty good right now, I must say. Sliders are are, are good. I, I, I like I just like a full burger, though. Like, what are the situations where you're OK with sliders? Like if you're at a, maybe a party or a tailgate or something like I get that. But if I'm sitting down for like dinner, I just want a big, big old juicy burger. That's fair. Like an appetizer. Yeah. Like sliders would be like more of like an appetizer type deal or something like that. If uh, you were at a party or something light food like that. Uh, Cody over on Facebook is asking if I'm coming to Al's here in Kansas City this weekend. What's the play? I haven't heard from the Bills Mafia of, of Kansas City. Something, a little party going on out there. Hit me up. Let me know. Maybe I should come out. Uh, check it out. Uh, I'm always up uh, for that when I when I get on the road. Uh, and and we're a couple days away, Ryan. And we're, you know we're gonna have three shows over that. Let me let me set this up a little bit here. Uh, but we're hoping to have a guest on Friday for the actual preview show. It's gonna be a little bit earlier, maybe four or five o'clock p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So get that in your calendar. I will set that up when it's official tomorrow, it won't be live, uh, but we will have an interview with Ariel Hawani who went and had his first um, uh, experience at Highmark stadium. And then obviously tonight we're going to talk about some of the big storylines, news stories around the bills. And obviously in the news, the last couple of days uh, have been the whereabouts of Odell Beckham jr. And maybe the trade pursuit uh, perhaps of uh, Carolina Panthers running back, Christian McCaffrey. And this is something we've been talking about, I feel like, for the last few months, Ryan. And it's probably the the best place to start. Before we get into both of these stories and these pursuits, just talking running back Christian McCaffrey versus wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. in a perfect world, if you're Brandon Bean and you could just choose what you think fits better with this offense right now, what are you choosing? Oh boy. And see, you use the term perfect world. So I'm going to change my answer from what I told AJ pre-show. If perfect world, everything was ideal. You didn't have to worry about injuries. It it would be Christian McCaffrey. It'd be a slam dunk. The the bills don't have a running game. They haven't had a running game uh, in the past few seasons of this offense where they've been moving the ball up and down the field at will. Uh, But obviously, you know, there's some concerns when it comes to McCaffrey the injury status, uh, not so much the contract. You could get that contract on the books pretty easily this year in terms of how much he's owed and, and what's left over there. You'd have to figure things out for the future, whether that's cutting him at the end of the season or doing something different with the contract in general. Uh, but he would be the missing piece in an ideal situation if you were guaranteed health, in my opinion. What about you? Push back a little bit here. Like, On a couple fronts. Number one, do you have any concerns? Because one of my concerns about adding Christian McCaffrey from the jump, aside from the injury stuff, and we'll get to that uh, in a minute, is that this this Bills team is a predominantly uh, passing team. And I think like going out and adding a running back, even though 
maybe his arguably his best skill set is what he's able to do in the passing game. I, I just don't know if there's going to be enough of a role for him. You go back over the last couple of years, and even at his highest usage rate, Devin Singletary has just not been a huge part of this offense. Now, getting him involved and maybe you know using him in the passing game, I kind of get that. But are you a little bit concerned about just what role there'd be for Christian McCaffrey, whereas opposed to maybe Beckham Jr., who fit into whatever role, you know, was asked of him on a week to week basis with the Rams last year. Again, I don't want to get too far on the road. I want to talk more about Odell on the, uh, uh, in his own right. But we don't even know what Odell Beckham Jr. is going to look like when he gets back or even when he gets back. We'll get to that in a minute. But I'm just saying in a perfect world, we're talking about that right now. Right. So first with McCaffrey, I wouldn't be too worried about his workload. In fact, I'd be more than okay with not overworking him. Obviously, he does have a history of injuries the past few seasons. Uh, In terms of getting him involved, you could line him up in the slot regularly, and I think he'd be able to produce. I mean, there was even talk, and it was just this. It was just talk about how uh, if you really wanted to extend his career, you could transition him to more of like a slot receiver type of role on a team uh, because he's that talented as a pass catcher. So that would I wouldn't be too concerned about the workload. The Bills would find a way to get him involved. Now, my biggest knock on picking McCaffrey over Odell Beckham Jr. in this situation is the trade capital. What would it cost to get Christian McCaffrey to Buffalo? Mm-hmm. I don't think they would have to break the bank. Uh, I, I've seen nothing concrete out there from analysts in terms of what they think it would cost. Uh, but I, I think day two picks uh, would be on the table. Some compensatory picks would have to be on the table. If if a first round pick was ever even brought up, the discussion's over before it begins. He's not worth a first round pick with the injuries, with the salary, with the fact that he plays the running back position. And that is one of the most easily replaceable positions in football. I get he's a special player, uh, but it would come down to the compensation where Odell Beckham Jr., you're not giving up any draft capital. You're bringing in someone that could, one, just you could find a role for him on, on there on any given week basis, as you mentioned, Matt, but two, if Gabe Davis goes down with an ankle injury, if something happens to Stefan Diggs, you feel confident in that next man up man uh, mentality. You have someone that just won a Super Bowl, someone that's been a number one receiver in this league. And yes, he's coming off of an ACL injury. Uh, you raised a great point saying we don't know what he would, he'll look like when he does come back this time around. But I, I have enough confidence in his game that he'd be able to play at a somewhat high level. Uh, Spot track, uh, our book, our good friend, uh, Mike Gennetti put out a tweet. You shared it with me uh, before the show uh, where he basically outlined what a team trading for McCaffrey would be getting. And so 2022, uh, you'd be picking up a $575,000 bill. That's all uh, guaranteed that you have to pay him. So basically, you know, nothing. Uh, 2023, 24 and 25, all about 12 million on his current deal, but none of that would be guaranteed for the new team. So it would be basically like potentially a one year rental. Maybe you restructure that deal if you really like the player, but here's a couple things in the McCaffrey thing. Number one, um, there are reports out that the bills actually have refuted earlier reports that they had right. called on McCaffrey. So there's not any really hard evidence that the bills would even be interested in this. And then there's a report out from Jeff Howe from the athletic where the Carolina Panthers, as of now, aren't really even interested in moving him. You know, he's somebody that they still want to kind of, you know, build around. It won't make a lot of sense unless they can get a lot of draft capital back. And I just don't know, you know, the Bills or any other team are willing to kind of, you know, spend a lot in terms of of draft capital to bring him on. Let me bring this up here real quick. So I went back and looked at the last three seasons of McCaffrey because, you know, one of the biggest issues is his injury uh, history over the last, he's played six years in the league. His last three have been riddled with injuries. He's played 15 games counting this season in 2020, 2021, and 2022. So I took his stats from those 15 games in those three years with Devin Singletary's last 15 games. And let's do a little comparison here. 230 carries for McCaffrey in those 15 games, 991 yards, 4.3 yards a carry, and eight touchdowns. Devin Singletary, 174 carries. So already you're seeing that the usage rate is so much lower than right. than um, McCaffrey. 750 yards, which is 4.3 yards per carry, exact same as McCaffrey, eight touchdowns. Now, hmm. I know what you're going to say. The receptions, right? Uh, 80 catches in those games for McCaffrey, 680 yards, 8.6 yards per reception, and three touchdowns for Singletary. 43 receptions, 323 yards, 7.5. So almost a fu- or a little more than a full yard less 
per catch uh, in the offense and two touchdowns, but not crazy different, Ryan. I just, I don't know if he's necessarily the same player that a lot of people remember from 18 and 19 when he was the first overall pick in fantasy drafts. I, I don't know if there's enough value there to get rid of a draft pick just because there's still a little bit of an unknown with what you have on the roster, what you just invested in, in James Cook. Yeah, you know, a lot of the times when these trade candidates come out, I think people envision the best version of these players. And and that was McCaffrey, those first few years where he entered the league by storm and he was outstanding on the ground and he was great catching the ball and he was a real dynamic playmaker. He hasn't been that player the last few years. Now, you can point at the fact that Carolina has been pretty abysmal in terms of quarterback play, in terms of overall offense, coaching, you name it. Uh, but we haven't seen those flashes from Christian McCaffrey that we saw early in his career. So you raise a, a solid point there. Uh, when it comes to the trade talks that the Bills and the Panthers both refuted, you, you know, Adam Kaplan said in the offseason, this was a few months ago before the draft, that the Bills tried to reach out at that point. I, I believe it. I think the Bills probably made a call and said, you know, we're, we're a few playmakers away. Uh, let's see if we can get them. And at that point, the Panthers probably said, no, as of right now, I, I believe the reports where they say the Bills haven't reached out yet, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And as you get closer and closer and closer to the trade deadline, you have a team like the Panthers. You're going to have other teams that are going to be looking to sell at that point. And I know that the trade deadline, the NFL is not a wild time uh, in terms of players getting moved, but it's been more movement in, in years past than what we've seen. So the Bills could call Carolina and say, okay, we're at least we just want to see, you know, what what do you want for a guy like McCaffrey? What do you want for a guy like Austin Corbett on your offensive line? Maybe someone that could come shore up this uh, offensive line in Buffalo, provide some more depth or competition for a starting role. Someone that ha- that's pretty cap friendly in terms of his deal for this year. Uh, things like that. That's how the NFL works. So with, with the teams denying it now, it doesn't mean they're not going to explore it later on. It's just right now it's not the focal point for these teams. Let's move over to Odell Beckham Jr. because we have a lot to get to tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, here on the Shop Podcast on your Wednesday night. Uh, we're going to cover quite a bit. Obviously, Trey White returned to practice today. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. If you want to see video of that, head over to uh, my Twitter handle, at Matt Perino. I tweeted out a bunch of videos uh, today from uh, Trey White's first practice you know, with the team in, you know, close to 11 months, Ryan. So a really cool moment. Uh, We heard from a bunch of different players today about what it meant to him. And you could just see kind of like the emotions of of it all. And I I almost felt like Trey White was probably a little overwhelmed with the emotions. We'll get to that in in a little while, but let's get to Beckham because of course the big news of the day was people saying that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was at the Buffalo airport. And, you know, of course that started off the, 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 the firestorm of on Twitter earlier today. Uh, nothing's come out yet. I, the one thing I thought about when I when I when I when I follow these kind of rumors, and I don't have any update or report on that. I definitely didn't see him around the facility, and I was there for about three or four hours today. Is I feel like you'd see something on social media at some point, you know, 10, 15 hours after that thing kind of goes. Uh, and we haven't seen anything on social media, like uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, anything like that. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I'm not disputing the fact that he might have been in Buffalo for a flight. Are, are spotted in the airport. It's very possible, Matt, that he was just simply visiting Von Miller. And you don't have to visit the facility to mm. go see Von Miller. It could have been post-practice, going over to his house, checking in with him. He, Like Von Miller said a few weeks ago, Odell Beckham Jr. is kind of on tour right now. He's going around. He's seeing old friends. He's going to games. He was at the, the Giants facility, but it wasn't in a professional capacity in terms of meeting with Dable and and Joe Shane. It was seeing former teammates. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's in Buffalo just to visit Von Miller. Now, like you said, though, if they really are visiting and hanging out, especially with those two players, the way they've been teasing this for months now, why hasn't there been a picture of the two of them yet? Or or are they waiting for something? Or, what? you know, what's the deal there? I'm sure something could come out of this, but uh, there's obviously been some reports today about the Bills not having any kind of you're not, not in play for him as of right now, but you know, time will tell Matt. Yeah. And shout out to Tim Graham, uh, who, who, who had a report. You can go check out the details of that over at the athletic, uh, com. but basically saying there that the bills don't have an iron in the fire, uh, as of now. And, you know, I think the most interesting, you know, uh, part of this Odell Beckham jr. Saga, as it plays out over the next couple of weeks is we don't know when Odell Beckham jr. Is going to be back, nor, 
do you know what what level he's going to be at when he does get back? And Ryan, you know, you, we're looking at the Trey White situation right now. I mean, we could talk a little bit about that as now transition to that. He suffered this injury at Thanksgiving last year. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. suffered his two months later, and it's the second of his career. Uh, in a short time period. I mean, we're talking about a couple of years ago, uh, obviously with the Browns and then obviously again with the Rams. So Odell Beckham Jr., he's eyeing sometime in December probably. Is he going to be ready to go in full blast by the playoffs? I just think it's a little bit of a, you know, a roll of the dice. Now it's a roll of the dice that I think I wouldn't um, downplay that if I'm the if, if if I'm looking at that move for the Bills if they go out inside to add him the mix as somebody to you know an extra tool uh, in case they need it for a playoff run I get it I just don't know if you know the team that gets him is necessarily getting the version of Odell Beckham that we saw in the Super Bowl and I don't know if he can maybe maybe he can't even get there in time for the playoffs. And that's just it with the Bills not having an iron iron in the fire so to speak. They might say right now he's not even close to ready. So maybe that's why they haven't shown any interest or made any kind of play for him. Uh, they might be looking at that timeline or talking to agents, talking to people close to him to f- figure out when he's going to be ready. And it might be late December. It might be, well, if he's going to be ready late December, is he, is he even going to be close to 100% for the playoffs? The playoff run is when you would ideally like him to be playing at a high level. If he's just getting back into the fold in late December, he hasn't practiced. He might not know the system, the ins and the outs. He might not look like the player that had over 100 yards in the championship game, uh, but looking like he was well on his way to being the uh, MVP of the Super Bowl in that first half of the Super Bowl game uh, last year. We don't know where he is health-wise. And yes, these athletes, uh, they rebound you know, from these injuries better than the athletes did 5, 10, 15 years ago. But you said it. This was his second ACL injury. This is not something like it's the first time. It's not like he's... Uh, in his early 20s anymore, and, and I know he's not old by any standards either, but these get harder and harder to come back from the more serious the injury and the more often you have them. I think only Odell Beckham Jr. knows what he can uh, do this year. The one part of it I like for the Bills, if they were to sign him to a veteran minimum deal that you fit into the cap and he's just going out there to kind of show off in an offense that if he does get an opportunity, you know, you figure with Josh Allen, he'll have a chance to make a lot of plays. He's going to be playing for his contract. I mean, he's not getting any younger. I mean, the plan is Bond said it, uh, I think on a podcast with Richard Sherman, the plan was both of them wanted to go to LA, you know, form that kind of super team, go off kind of like they did and then get paid. Bob Miller was able to do that because he made it all the way to the end of the Super Bowl was MVP candidate. So was Odell Beckham Jr. before he got hurt. So I think adding that to the mix as a potential weapon, it makes sense. And I think PJ Ty over on um, YouTube makes a great point here. Don't give the Chiefs another weapon. You got to think about like if, if Beckham Jr. is healthy and ready to go, you don't want him going to another contender to kind of fortify things. And listen, we'll see on the other end of this Chiefs game where, you know, things land in terms of the AFC, what's going on with Baltimore, Cincinnati, week by week, that's going to continue to be a storyline. But yeah, I think if you're the Bills, signing Odell Beckham Jr. and getting him in the mix, a guy that has now Super Bowl playoff success experience, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and keeping it, away from other teams makes sense too. Right, and it does. And the only concern that came up specifically today for me, Matt, is the money aspect of it. I thought for sure that Odell Beckham Jr., wherever he plays in this season, he wasn't going to be trying to break the bank. Uh, He would be looking for that next contract in 2023 and beyond. But he specifically in a chat about him being in Buffalo, he responded to some of the people commenting and said how, you know, he let the Rams know that felt like a home to him. He was hoping to be back and they offered next to nothing for him to return this year. And he was kind of hurt by that. Um, So was, was that something maybe a few months ago? Was this something recent? I don't know. Uh, but maybe money's a bigger factor than I once anticipated, at least for this year. And if it is, the Bills have limited finances. If it's, all right, I'm going to come in here. I'm not looking for a big payday. I'm hoping to, to cash in next year, 2023, 2024. Uh, then it becomes more you know, likely that the Bills really make a, a play at him. But if it's anything other than that, I'm not sure they will end up showing much interest in him. You know what you're going to show interest in, Ryan Talbot, if it comes into your possession? The tailgate and go kitchen. We've been talking about this for weeks. It, it was featured on 
uh, an episode of Shark Tank. It's a portable outdoor kitchen and dry box made for any outdoor cooking setting. Uh, tailgating anybody set it up in the backyard backwoods or stadium parking lot in seconds it comes with a built-in cutting board paper towel holder bottle opener spice rack food divider compartments storage net and lid and a knife magnet and now through october 29th every time you use your tops bonus plus card to purchase participating brands like pepsi campbell smithfield and so many more you're automatically entered for a chance to win a tailgate and go kitchen for the ultimate tailgating experience. For complete details, visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone. There's so many ways to save, so many ways to win at Tops. Speaking of winning, Bill's Mafia was winning today with the return of Tredavious White, all pro cornerback to the practice field and seeing the videos of him running out there, participating in individual work. You know, It got people really juiced up in the building. Josh Allen talked about it. Stefan Diggs talked about it. And for those that want to know, learn more about it, it the Bills open. He's still on the reserve pup list. It, they've opened up his 21 day practice window, so he could practice uh, free of charge for the next 21 days, not count uh, against the roster. But at that 21st day, if he doesn't return, if he's not activated, then it, the Bills have to wait four more weeks with him off the roster before they can open up another window. And so. You figure that he's getting close here, Ryan. Christian Benford still dealing with that uh, broken hand. He was in a red non-contact jersey today. What do you think this says about where Tredavious White is and what is your expectation for when you want to see him? Yeah, I think it means he's very close because of that 21-day window. That's a ticking clock now. Uh, so you have to be pretty confident that you're going to be able to activate him within that three-week window. And I think schedule-wise, this is almost ideal because the Bills, yes, they have a game this weekend against the Chiefs. He's already been ruled out for that matchup. Then they have their bye week. That gives them a really good chance to look at Trey White. And I know the Bills don't generally do a lot on their bye week, but White might might stay in the building. He might be putting in that extra work to say, I could go as early as the Packers game. Is that realistic? I, I think it's on the table. Uh, but if, if you were to ask me what game I would have circled, if if not the Packers game, it's definitely the, the Jets game the week after that. So I think we're getting very close to the return of Trey White, and that's great news for this Bills team because I think that this weekend against a team like the Chiefs, they would have loved to have had him. He, he is a guy that can uh, erase a part of the field, but you want to ease him back. You want to make sure that he gets right as the season goes on and come playoff time, he's looking more and more like the old Trey White. So it's encouraging that they open the 21-day window, but I would not be in an extreme rush to activate him You know, too early. If you have to wait until day 20, day 21, do so, uh, because it's most important to make sure that he is healthy and ready to go for games when they matter. My expectation of his role once he gets back is I, I think he could be active and you can be really – you could slow play getting him back to hundred percent of the snaps. I mean, you could, you could be looking at like December before that even happens because listen, you still want valuable reps for your rookie cornerbacks, Kyrie Elam, Christian Benford. You're still going to rely on Dane Jackson in a lot of situations. Now there's a lot of really advantageous matchups down the stretch after the bye week I mean, you're talking about the jets twice, the Patriots twice, the Dolphins again. We'll see what's going on there with Tua Tagovailoa, which uh, you know he's still not expected to play next weekend. And obviously, the the concussion concerns are something to kind of watch. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, you know they won't face Deshaun Watson. It'll be Jacoby Brissett uh, when they play uh, Cleveland. So there's a lot of quarterbacks uh, as you look at the Bills' schedule on the second half. It's Carson Wentz. It's just it doesn't really scare you. And I just think you want to take your time with Trey White. Just for what Stefan Diggs said, he's a guy that's used to competing at 100%, competing at, with the best in the world. You know, he he wears that CB1 badge with honor. And I and I don't I want I think that that's the message to all these guys. It's it's kind of funny in the same week as we've talked a lot about, you know, Kyer Elam and Sean McDermott talking to him about, you know, maybe stepping back a little bit, not being so aggressive. Sean McDermott in a different way might have to have the same conversation with Tredavious White when he does get back on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the beauty of having this depth that they currently have. Dane Jackson, when he's been out there, has been fantastic. Christian Benford, when healthy, when he was playing, he looked he had a very strong start to the season. And I know Kyrie Elam was picked on uh, last week by the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he had some flashes as well against Baltimore and against Miami. Some really good moments there. Interception, obviously, against Pittsburgh as well. So there's some good and some bad. So they're not in a rush to get him back out there, you know. 
Uh, it's funny, Matt, if, if you went back to the offseason, I think you and I would have both said cornerback position was one of the biggest concerns on this team. And yet that has not been the case through five games. They've been just fine. So don't rush it when you get him back out there, play him in a rotation, ease him into the lineup, uh, let him get comfortable out there because it takes some time to get back up to full speed. So you want him out there, but you also don't want him playing 80, 90 percent of the snaps. Uh, and as long as you have that quality depth behind him, you're not going to be forced to do so now. Come playoff time, if he's still playing at, at you know full gear and, and he's he's healthy, yeah, absolutely up the uh, snap counts as the year goes on, but ease him into that. I know that we've eased into the fall season and and Halloween is just around the corner. And if you, if you got big plans for the setup out in front of the house, and shout out to Billy Piano by the way, yes. super chat. Thank Thanks, you Bill. to Matt and Ryan. We appreciate you, Billy, my man. But maybe you're easing into some. You know, you, you've been waiting right for the for the idea to strike you for a little bit of a outdoor. Um, you know, build for Halloween. You want to put some scary zombies in the ground or, you know, build some type of kind of contraption to scare the kids at Halloween. Head over to Value Home Centers right now and get all of your tools needs, your, you know, your building needs satisfied. And they got a great deal for you. If you text 80692 to value, V-A-L-U, you join their text program. Uh, you'll start receiving exclusive coupons, see weekly deals, and so much more. Head over to valuehomecenters.com for more information. Quick update, Jeremy Fowler uh, from ESPN reported today that uh, Micah Hyde had the neck surgery uh, recently. Uh, Sean McDermott said he talked to, to Micah Hyde and, and he's doing well and they're excited to get him back into the building whenever he gets to a point where he can return, probably just to be around the guys and start doing his rehab, kind of like Trey White has done uh, over the last year. He's going to be out six to nine months. Uh, that's the timetable that uh, has that he's been kind of hit with after the surgery, according to Fowler. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Again, how the Bills manage that and, and when they bring him back and how they bring him back. Neck, neck injuries are, are, are a dangerous game. Yeah, you got to ease him back in. And obviously, ideal world, he'll be a full go for the summer. You'd really be able to get a good look at him come training camp. Uh, he'd be in the building a lot leading up to that, you would think, with the rehab. But the good news for the Bills is a guy like DeMar Hamlin, who has really stepped up for the Bills uh, played at a high level of football here early on. He's someone, again, you could rotate in early on in the year if you had any concerns about Hyde uh, getting back up to playing speed. And, and by September of next year, you would like to think that he'd be fine 100%, but you just never know. Like you said, necks are tricky injuries. Uh, so it's good to know that the Bills do have someone internally that can step up if needed. Uh, before we move on, I want to talk a little um, Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. Uh, I, I just thought that was a fun question to talk about because – I think if you're looking on both sides of the ball for the Bills, you're thinking about Stefan Diggs and uh, Von Miller, superstars that could kind of wreck a game, right? For the Chiefs, I think there's no doubt about it. That's Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. We'll debate maybe which one the Bills should be more worried about on Sunday. But before we do, there was a, uh, when we were talking to Leslie Frazier on Monday, the topic of Kyrie Elam came up. And one of the things that was in the, you know, the social media world after that game was how much Kyrie Elam was targeted, like you mentioned, and how many catches he gave up. I even tweeted out the PFF numbers. But go back and really watch that game and, and the Bills' plan and what they were trying to do. Sure, Kenny Pickett was targeting uh, Kyrie Elam, but I think that the takeaway from that game is that what damage did it really cause? The Bills gave up three points in that game, and I think that that was kind of the idea to let them, you know, complete passes underneath, get to the ball, and, and tackle well. Uh, and Leslie Frazier was asked about his assessment of Elam, and he said, "I thought he did a good job of not giving up touchdowns, and there were some completions that they had, and that's a a good receiving core that they have in Pittsburgh. And I think overall, he did a really good job. He tackled well enough. You're targeted. You're going to get some balls in our league on corners. You just got to be able to hold up and not give up the explosives on a continuous basis down the field. And this is something we keep coming yeah. back to with Leslie Frazier in this defense. And even at Trey White at times over the last couple of years, when, you know, maybe they, you know, giving up a couple catches, like as long as it's not getting behind them, as long as it's not going for, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 yard touchdowns, that's really what Leslie Frazier values. And, you know, it, it, if it's not, if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Now, of course, Ryan, they did give up some explosives in the, in, in Arrowhead last year. Uh, right. So that's something that you have to watch this week, but I, I think maybe a little bit overblown on the Kyrie Elam uh, worry meter after last game. 
And that's a fair talking point. You know, the Bills have a bend but don't break defense at time. You know, when you when you're going against top level teams, I guess is when that bend not break defense is important. So when you're going against a team like the Chiefs, yeah, they're going to get their yards. There's no doubt about it. But when you get them in, when they're inside your 20, can you hold them to a field goal? Can you limit them more times than not? Because with an offense like Buffalo's being able to score touchdowns, put up points, it, it might not matter at the end of the day. And then you have teams like Pittsburgh will give up the yards and, and we know more times than not, we're going to stop them before they even get into scoring range. We're going to force them to have a turnover, whether it's a strip sack, whether it's a fumble, whether it's an interception, turnover on downs, you name it. Uh, they have confidence in that defense, be able to shut down the opposing team before they can get to the end zone. So Ben, don't break, don't give up the big plays. I think that's going to be the big focal point for this bills team on Sundays. Keep the players in front of you tackle. Well, uh, and then hope that when when the Chiefs get deep into your territory, you can make a play like last year's regular season game. Greg Rousseau getting his hand up, getting an interception. The Chiefs were pretty deep in Bill's territory on that play. They had marched down the field, and that's when the game was still somewhat close. So making plays like that is, is what's going to help you win this game on Sunday. Mahomes um, has 15 touchdown passes on the season, and I think uh, – I don't have the stat in front of me, but – 13 of them have come from 10 yards or in. That's crazy. I mean, the red zone defense against the Chiefs this year has just, it's just been inefficient. And, you know, he's going to have to be aware of that. And a couple people in the comment section on YouTube, Cato says, keep it real. Elam's footwork was looking bad. Sure. I, I think that there's, we're always going to be talking about that with Elam for the next probably 16 to 24 months is that he's developing and trying to figure out how to become a plus off coverage uh, cornerback in this league. That's not going to happen overnight. Like I, I don't have this expectation that, you know, he's going to all of a sudden turn his switch and, and be at the same level of a Tredavious white. I mean, even white took him a lot of time. He was a, a press coverage corner at LSU. Go back and read his scouting report. And it took him a lot of time. I'm actually really interested to talk to him about that and where he feel like felt like what point in his career did he feel like it really switched into him becoming comfortable out there in that setting. I mean, Levi Wallace last year in his fourth year, and I know different caliber of player, different, uh, you know, uh, quality prospect. He was an undrafted player out of Alabama, but he said it was in the year four where he was still every day working on technique. It's just going to be the reps when it comes to Elam. Yeah, you got to be patient with it. Uh, real quick with the Chiefs in the red zone, the Bills are going to have to be aware of everything. The Chiefs love the little shovel passes. Uh, they, they draw great designs. We saw that against the Raiders here very recently when they got in the red zone. Somehow getting Travis Kelsey open four times is, a, is quite the accomplishment. Because he's so talented, you would think that they would be able to focus on shutting him specifically down. So Andy Reid, he's going to have that team ready to go. The Bills are going to have to bring their A game if they want to win on Sunday. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's uh, switch gears here. We got a couple of Kansas City Chiefs topics uh, that I want to get into. We're going to go too far down the rabbit hole. I mean, we got a preview show on Friday. I'm hoping for a guest from Chiefs country to get into that uh, conversation and break down uh, all the matchups and and everything like that. But, you know, Travis Kelsey is coming off of a four touchdown performance against you know, the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Chris Jones, again, has been a force and historically has done a really good job against the Bills. I mean, you go back to that AFC title game a couple of years ago, and I felt like he was one of the stars of the game. So if you're going into this game as a Bills fan, who worries you more, Kelsey or Chris Jones? 
I'm going to go with Chris Jones and maybe that's the, maybe fans are going to say Kelsey, but I'm going Jones because although the bills offensive line is coming off of their best game of the season, in my opinion, uh, it's been inconsistent. They've had their struggles stopping the defenders from coming in and making plays in the run game. We've seen Josh Allen have to use his legs, take off at times this season to elude sacks and pressure. And Chris Jones is in a league of his own in that category. Now, Travis Kelsey is still one of the best tight ends in the game, uh, arguably the best. You can make a case for Mark Andrews, uh, but after those two, it, it's pretty much you know the next tier down, in my opinion. So Kelsey, as good as he is, though, I have more. I have confidence in Taron Johnson. I have confidence in some of the linebackers on this team to uh, take away some of those passing windows and to take that away. And, and I have confidence in Leslie Frazier's defense to know that he is their main focal point now with Tyreek Hill in Miami, whereas before it was kind of a pick your poison, stop one, but you're not going to stop the other. I think the Bills are going to come in with a game plan to really try to slow down Kelsey and say, hey, if these receivers that you brought in this offseason can beat us, then by all means do so. I think Chris Jones is, would probably be my answer as well. I think the interior of the Bills offensive line, although playing better and coming off of arguably their best performance of the season at a really, really good time. You know, I, I think that that's an important talking point. Listen, like we saw that Chris Jones like land on Derek Carr. Obviously, it was kind of a bogus call. Did you just say I'll never stop today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. David said Ryan stop, which I don't even know what he's actually referring to. I didn't hear anything. That I'm was assuming that, that he likes, I'm, I'm assuming Kelsey is the uh, easy option to him. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I am going to talk a little bit about Kelsey, but come on, David. It's funny. <laughs> I just saw the comment that you said, I'll never stop David. And it just got me kind of <laughs> laughing anyway. So, so yeah, that's, that's a concern. And, you know, Josh Allen's taking a lot of hits this year already. I mean, it obviously a lot of them happen when he gets out in space and gets running, but you don't want Chris Jones sneaking back there and putting big hits on your quarterback. He is a big dude. So that's something that I'm, I'm obviously going to be watching, but I think that, you know, although the bills have not allowed a, a touchdown to a, a tight end yet this season, you know, Travis Kelsey it's got to scare you a little bit. There's speed everywhere for the Chiefs. I mean, you know, Valdez Scantling, we're going to talk about him in a second. McCall Hardman, you know, even Jarek McKinnon. You know, these are guys that, you know, they can get the ball in their hands. They can make plays. But Kelsey's always kind of found a way to make plays against the Bills, even when they've tried to highlight him. And I know when Tyreek Hill was there, it was a little bit different. You couldn't really focus maybe so much on one. But we saw it last week, right? There were, there were plays against, or this past uh, Monday night, where the Raiders had him covered. There was one play coming across the middle. I think it was Denzel Perriman who kind of hit him. It looked like he was completely out of the play. He stopped on a dive, went back the other way, you know, flashed open. Patrick Mahomes got him the ball. He he breaks he breaks the tackle. He evades two tacklers. It's just it's crazy stuff when it comes to Kelsey. And I think they have a plan for him. They'll have a plan for him. But sometimes he's just better than the plan. And, you know, it's going to it's gonna come back, flip over to the other side. And Josh Allen might have to be in a situation like he was at Arrowhead a couple months ago where he's just going to have to outduel them at the end of the day, which I think they can do. I, and I agree with that. And, and, yeah, Kelsey is a special tight end. He's not slowing down. And, again, he's not old by normal standards. But for tight end standards, you'd think that he'd be starting to slow down a little bit. But, uh, no signs of that. Still a great route runner. Still kind of knows, uh, has that connection with Patrick Mahomes in terms of knowing what to do if that route is taken, as illustrated by the one route you you pointed out there. Perriman had him covered. He stopped on a dime, went the other way. Um, and Mahomes was patient enough to wait and find him in, in that role. If the Bills can get after Mahomes, however, that then maybe Kelsey won't be as much of a factor. Maybe if they just cover him as he is running his normal route, nothing will end up opening up because Von Miller or Greg Rousseau will get home or one of the defensive tackles. You get the gist. So it, it, there's a lot of pressure on that defensive line to step up to make sure that Kelsey can't take over this game. Valdez Scantling has, I just, I'm just doing the research here, three 100-yard games in his last three seasons. As a rookie, he had two. He had three catches for 103 yards and three catches for 101 yards. So historically, in his five-year career, he's not been a guy that consistently gets off. He he had 90 yards receiving last, last week against uh, the Raiders. So he's, he's definitely somebody that I think you want to have on your radar. But I just think Kelsey... There, there's a there's a next level for you know uh, connections in this league. Like you think about historically, the players, you know the 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 quarterbacks and their receivers 
or pass catchers who have had good relationships. You know, obviously Jim Kelly and, and Andre Reed were one right here in Buffalo. You know, those guys can just, they usually take good game plans and, and wreck them. And, and that's what I was, uh, I wanted to bring up. And I just think that they have to really focus in not letting him be the terror that he is in the red zone. And I think they're game to the challenge. So I was talking to Taron Johnson about it today. And what makes him so tough is, you know, basically what he said is what makes him so tough is like the off script stuff. Like when Patrick Mahomes gets out of the pocket, it's similar to Josh Allen. It's just what he's able to do, like the different arm angles that you have to deal with, not knowing exactly, you know, where he's going, when he's going. And a couple of those throws to, to Kelsey the other night, you know, you probably didn't even know he was making that read because the, he's so good at at making plays after the play seems like it's over, that that's something that they, they're really focusing in on. And I think, you know, it's going to come down to the pass rush and how much can now Von Miller and company affect Mahomes to put these guys in the back end in a better situation when they have to run that scramble drill. And this is like the Von Miller game, in my opinion, that when the Bills lost to the Chiefs, the one thing that we heard was the Bills didn't get after him, uh, Mahomes enough. They didn't hit him enough. They didn't sack him enough. Enter Von Miller. And when I say it's the Von Miller game, it's not all on him, but it's up to him to show that he can have a presence that everything we've seen from Greg Rousseau as a beneficiary of having Von Miller can make a presence that Boogie Basham and Epinesa uh, in their roles can, can do their job and the defensive tackle position keeps playing at such a high level as well, because they're getting some pressure. We've seen Jordan Phillips make some sacks and get some uh, quarterback hits. We've, we know Ed Oliver when healthy can do that as well. They have a, a great D tackle in Daquan Jones and Tim settle the list goes on and on. They invested a lot in this defensive line. They're getting a lot more out of this defensive line than they did the 2021, 2020 units that they had before. So I, I'm excited to see what this unit can do against Mahomes and company because they need to bring their A game and affect the quarterback if the Bills plan on winning this game. Are you surprised uh, our producer, AJ, uh, brought it up in the in the, in the the chat here uh, that we have during the shows? First time Patrick Mahomes is not favored at home. Were you surprised when that came out? Yeah, completely surprised. And if you're a Bills fan, I would hate this. Uh, I Because it has nothing to do with the Bills. It has nothing to do with Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, Brandon Beat, anyone on this team. But I almost guarantee you that Andy Reid is using this as bulletin board material, Matt. And he's, hey, you know, they're the Super Bowl favorites. They're coming to our house. They're favored. You know, we're the team that's just beaten them the last few years in the playoffs. But, hey, we're the underdogs now. They're going to try to use that to their advantage to kind of psych themselves up for this game. And while some fans might say, well, if you really need to get psyched up for a game like this, you know, what are you doing? Players find any reason to get psyched up for a game, any at all. They're all Mm -hmm. high class athletes. But if they have that extra motivation, uh, they're going to use it. And I think that the Bills being the favorites in this game on the road is going to be a motivation factor for all the Chiefs players. The Bills opened at minus one and a half on DraftKings, and it it's it's bet uh, to two and a half, minus two and a half now. So the money is coming in on the Bills, and I, I get what you're saying, and I, I would agree in most places, but I, I get the vibe in, in most situations, in most years, I get the vibe that the Bills, I'm sure that there's going to be a chip that the Chiefs put on their shoulder, although... I also think that there might be a little bit of a a big brother vibe that they have with the bills at the same time where, you know, no matter what the big bad bills that finally put it all together and Josh Allen was raised his game to the level of Patrick Mahomes. And it didn't even matter in the end because they just made more plays. I I think they're going to hold some of that in this game still. Um, and, And so where there might be a little bit of that, the bills have just been the best team in the NFL through five weeks. I mean, their plus 91 point differential is insane. Look at what the Titans have done against every other team that they've played. They're three and two. They don't have AJ Brown anymore and they've, they've been competitive or they've won and they've, they've beat up a couple teams and they got absolutely smacked by the bills. The Steelers are probably end up closer to 500 than anybody thinks. And that these two teams didn't even deserve to be on the same field. If not for the heat down in Miami, you're probably looking at a five and old bills team going into this game. And I think a team that is feared when guys are going out without starters, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox. It doesn't even matter. Gabe Davis goes off. Rookie Khalil Shakir goes off. They, they, they're getting James Cook involved. I think there's a lot of moving parts. And now with the new look of the def- of the defense, I, I feel like it, it truly is now the hunted versus the hunter. 
the Chiefs are still the hunt. They're the, they're the reigning AFC or um, they're the last AFC team to win a Super Bowl, right? But I, I don't know. It just it feels like a different vibe. Do you feel any of that? No, I, I go into this game. I look at them as being pretty even in terms of their talents, their abilities, their play. And then that's why I go back to the fact that usually when all things are even, the home team is favored by about two and a half, three points. So the fact that Vegas uh, had the Bills being that better team and by that much on the road against a team like the Chiefs uh, surprised me a little bit. Now, maybe the Bills will come out and they'll win this game and they'll roll past the Chiefs. And at that point, if that happens, Matt, then man, uh, there's no more questions about this team if there even are any right now. Because if they can go into Arrowhead and make a statement against the Chiefs, then uh, if this team can stay healthy at the most important positions, there's no reason to doubt that this might be the year that they can do. They can go all the way. One other thing I want to talk about is like this polarizing 13 seconds conversation, because it's one that, you know, certain members of the media are still following that storyline pretty heavily over the last couple of days. And, you know, I saw some tweets about it today, like, uh, like almost like an eye roll emoji, right? Like, are we still talking about 13 seconds? And, you know, it's interesting because from my perspective and how I'm covering this game this week, the 13-second story, it's been covered pretty heavily since, you know, January of last year, right? So in a lot of ways, the story for me really isn't the 13 seconds until after the game. Like if the Bills lose like a close nail-biter where, you know, they're not able to get over the hump in the fourth quarter, then I think that you revisit that storyline for sure. But, you know, they won in this spot last year in the stadium. And so I I think it's more of a situation where I'm waiting till after the fact, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not bothered with the conversation. um, Although I'm not like really a bills fan either. So (laughs) I I guess like, you know, it can be something that you probably don't want to relive this over and over again. I saw one comment from a a buddy of mine that I grew up with uh, on Twitter today, where it's like, he avoids, he, he straight up avoids anything that has to do with 13 seconds. I'm sure that there's a happy medium, but there's no doubt about it, Ryan. There's, this still is a storyline nationally going into this game. It's going to be something that they talk about. Troy Aikman talked about it on the broadcast on Monday Night Football. They're going to talk about it in the booth before the game. Jim Nance and Tony Romo. It is still something that the Bills are going to have to deal with. Von Miller, I just put up a story at the site, though. He said ignorance is bliss. He wasn't here, so he, he didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, have the mute button on hand, Bills Mafia, because between the commentary and the videos, you're going to see a ton of it on Sunday because this is the first matchup since the 13 seconds between these two teams. So it's still going to be a major talking point Uh, here locally. Listen, you're not going to get anything out of Sean McDermott and company or anyone that was here uh, for that game. They're just not going to react to it. But nationally, it's still a storyline. It's going to remain a storyline. Uh, until I think, in my opinion, until the Bills can either knock off the Chiefs in the playoffs when it matters or advance, like I said, to the Super Bowl, win the whole thing, whether or not they run into the path of the Chiefs or not. All right, Ryan Talbot, I'll, I'll, I'll push the baton over to you. What do you want to cover here before we get out of here? We got two more shows coming up this week. By the way, are you going to be on the aerial show tomorrow at three o'clock? Uh, yeah, I'm going to try to jump in on that. I think I'm going to be okay. able to get back in time for that. Well, let, let's cover this one, Matt. Is this a must win game? Ooh, I love that conversation. You know, nothing's a must-win win game, in my opinion, when you have the roster that the Bills or the Chiefs have. I mean, we saw it last year. The Bills won in the regular season, and it still ended up being the Chiefs who got the home game, right? So it's like, I think a lot of things can change. Like, your projections are just projections, and however those games end up playing out down the stretch for the Bills on their schedule, they can lose this game and still, you know, Win out, uh, win the number one seed because the Chiefs maybe end up playing in a tougher division, which it's not, by the way. Now I think the AFC East greater than the AFC West to start the season. The Jets have been a little bit more game than anybody thought. The Patriots are still pesky because of that defense, and I still think the Dolphins have a solid squad. Um, so I'm not going to go as far as to say it must win, but this is the kind of game where I feel like you can assert your dominance and give yourself a little wiggle room and room for error down the stretch. If you do run into any of those inconsistent stretches, like we saw in the middle of last season that I do think it's must get the number one seed. If you're the bills, that's gotta be the mindset and a good way of getting there is beating the chiefs on Sunday. Yeah, that's well said. I don't view this as a must win game either. And for me, it just goes back to last year's playoffs. Yes. The bills went on the road to arrowhead and they lost to the the chiefs that had that seeding. But what happened the next week, the Bengals go on the road and they win it. 
if you are facing a great team and you have a great team yourself, it, it might just come down to who has the ball last. And for the Bills, it just wasn't in the cards for them to have that the ball last against the Chiefs last year. So whether it's at home or on the road in the playoffs, I think the Bills can beat this Chiefs team. I think they can beat any other team in the AFC. So I don't think that getting the one seed is uh, is necessary for the Bills to get to the Super Bowl this year. Is it their end game and their goal? 100%. Yes, they, they want uh, every team to come into Western New York Orchard Park in the playoffs. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But when you have a team like this, a roster like this, I don't care if you're playing in Kansas City. I don't care if you're playing um, in Buffalo. I don't care if you're playing on the moon. The Bills have enough talent, Matt, to win against whoever they put in front of them wherever that game is hosted. You know where you can win anytime, any place when you're inside a Tops Markets? And right now, check out these deals. Ryan Talbot. We've been talking about him for weeks, months. Let Tops do all the work for your game day and tailgating spreads. Not going to Kansas City? Get yourself stocked up. Invite all your friends over to watch the big game. Tops is the perfect place for game day or any day. Visit Tops Carryout Cafe. And we, Ryan, we were joking about this the other night. We were driving home from the uh, after the Bills played the Steelers. Yes. I was driving you back to your hotel, and we were thinking about jumping into a, a carryout, uh, a Tops, to take a little selfie in front of the Carryout Cafe. It would have been fun. Missed opportunity next time. Next, next time. time. Hot to go, fresh large cheese and pepperoni pizzas, 14 bucks. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, 14 bucks. The legendary Topps breakfast pizza. You can get a large for 20 bucks right now. Pizza or taco log, six count, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound. Plus sub sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. Wrap us up, Ryan Talbot. Yeah, Bills Mafia, once again, just dropping a plug for Real Men Wear Pink, raising money this month for the American Cancer Society. Uh, I slacked on putting the link into the chat on YouTube a day or two after our live show. I will put it in tonight as soon as we wrap up here. Uh, Any donation is appreciated. It's for a great cause. Uh, Like I said, I appreciate the support, Bills Mafia. Anything you can do would be appreciated. We appreciate you. Uh, Thank you so much for watching. Uh, Hit that like button. Subscribe before you go on YouTube. We'll be back with two more episodes before uh, the big game on Sunday. Uh, Make sure you check. I will set up the live on Friday for the preview show. The aerial show will be taped. It won't be live, but we'll get that up on YouTube right away. Have a great week, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.